love this remix. <laughs> yep, it's now. I mean, that's what I do. I mean, we all do that, right? We all walk around our apartments and our houses and like just make up songs to our pets, right? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Good. Uh, okay. I love that. All right. Are we good? I think we're good. We should start this. I mean, we are starting. We're what? started. We already started. Okay. I mean, technically, <laughs> we're already going. All right. We're already we going. Hard. Keep it right all in. in. All right. Well, wel- welcome to Rock Candy. Oh, you're <laughs> flipping the script. I am. Yeah. Oh, because you usually say it. Yeah. My God. Yes. Welcome to Rock Candy. What <laughs> Ashley said. Your weekly podcast. Bring me a sweet treats from the world of music every week. And we got an extra special episode. Soup special. Soup special. I'm your host, it's Maggie. It's the soup special. Oh, my God. I'm, I could eat some soup. No, it's too nice for soup. Uh, I'm Maggie. <laughs> I'm Ashley. And we have special guests. Please introduce yourselves. Hello. It is the Ladies of the Muses podcast. Hi, it's us, the Ladies <laughs> from the Muses podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we are so excited. I'm lady number one. <laughs> lady yes. number one, what is your we name? We really are. <laughs> Screechy lady number one, please tell us about yourself. Well, uh, my name is Chantel. I am a co-host of music. I love romantic dinners. Ooh. Long walks on the beach. Yeah. And I uh, love, love talking about 70s dad rock. Oh my God. Don't we all though? God, I can't wait to get on a pontoon boat and just listen to any, <laughs> all the yacht mm-hmm. rock, any and all yacht mm-hmm. rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am Lynx. I am the other half of Muse's podcast. I also love long walks on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you guys got together is your mutual love for long walks on the beach. We were both walking from each side of the beach and we just slowly walk toward each other and saw each other in a distance and and you were like want to make a podcast yeah <laughs> woman seeking woman to create <laughs> podcast we've been together ever since oh that's so sweet yeah you guys have been together longer than us even like four years right yeah it'll yeah. be five years this fall holy shit wowie wow wow that's awesome <laughs> um yeah, and tell us a little five. bit tell us a little bit about muse's podcast well, we are a podcast. We talk about all about the women in rock and roll from wives, groupies, girlfriends to journalists, PR women, all women in the industry and women on the stage as well. We kind of cover everything. Women in rock. Yeah. Super inspiring women who have made a huge contribution in rock and roll history and may not who may not have always gotten credit for it. We like to shine the spotlight on them. Good. Somebody has to. Yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, and you guys have had some amazing episodes from like the Pat Benatar to uh, Patty Smith are like two of my favorites. I love oh, those thank ones. You. Um, yeah, we've done a lot of fun interviews as well. Yeah. We've interviewed Maureen Van Zandt and Linda Ramone, Pamela DeBar. So yeah, it's a combination between like reading biographies, autobiographies, and almost presenting them like a book report and having a conversation about them. <laughs> and then reaching out to the women themselves and then having great conversations with uh, the inspiring women. Yeah, you guys get some interesting stories that no one is going to get from like the musician himself pretty much mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's exactly like- why that that's exactly why these women's stories are so important too because it's a perspective that most people have not heard yet right oh yeah, yeah. and possibly just stories in general that 
people haven't heard yet because the people they were dating or married to were too drunk or fucked up to remember them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I remember that. You were drunk for a week, but I remember that. I remember. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I think that these women were probably much better at keeping journals. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more like on this day, this happened. We went here as opposed to maybe the musician. Like, of course, they'd have a journal where they'd write out their lyrics and things like that. But I think more often uh, of the time, it was women keeping these really detailed diaries. Yeah, they got to go. What am I going to do with all of these things? And then it becomes a really (laughs) cathartic experience for them to put their stories out there. Yeah. They kind of end up being historians as well. They're like the rock and roll bookkeepers. Yeah, they going on. They have all the deets behind the scenes. Again, they were they were sober for that week. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> or fortunately, I don't know. Um, speaking of sober, uh, really quick, I would like to shout out the beer I'm drinking. Oh yeah, that's right. The beer, the beer that you got me. Uh, it is from Me and Max, local hero. Um, local hero. <laughs> local brewer. <laughs> uh, but it's called Never Say Never, and it's a sour ale with raspberry. It's very, it's tart and delicious and exactly what I wanted oh, on good. a nice spring day. Good. Lovely. Thank you for getting me a beer when I was like, <laughs> I need a sour. And also, are you ready to play Six Degrees of Beer? Oh, boy. <laughs> never Say Never. Oh, with- I was, okay. So my thought on this was Never Say Never is very close to Goonies Never Say Die. And Cindy Lauper did the... um theme to the goonies. the goonies so technically the goonies were her muse for that song i guess i Ooh. don't know <laughs> oh, i like that. i'm pretty sure that she wrote and recorded that song before goonies came out no nope. or nope. actually no it's, it's called goonies are good enough so ha- they were not. her muse so there we go yeah six degrees of beer you're welcome <laughs> i mean i was just gonna say because hold that one out of my ass because women <laughs> never say never okay right i don't know i was trying to be very woman inspired <laughs> happy ladies months we're talking about muses today in case y'all didn't get that from the title or anything that we've talked about thus far we're very as you can tell we're very professional (laughs) don't know why we're not bigger except in switzerland anyway you know switzerland shout out to switzerland again we're gonna shout you out every week switzerland they like us they do (laughs) but uh, are you drinking a beer yeah what do you i saw you were sipping on something I forgot to bring a beer. I have beer in my fridge. It's just out there. Can we I take just... a pause? I think yeah. I, I didn't <laughs> know we were allowed to drink this early. Oh, uh, you oh. can drink whenever you want. Oh, I honestly Hi. didn't Welcome drink a beer candy. or I didn't bring a beer to the party because I was like, is it is it a little early? Is it too much? We started. You, know, you know who you're talking <laughs> to, right? <laughs> I know. Right. I'm in it. We're we're idiots. No, My beer fridge, lovely. luckily, is just is just behind this yeah. wall here. There's Go a beer fridge. Sharing, I will be right back. Sharing a beer wall break. with my wall. We'll be right back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you think you guys will be able to find something to talk about between the two Maybe. of you while we're oh, gone? We might. we might. I might just insert like some beer music. Some. So good. Is that a very Canadian beer? Yeah. It's I was gonna ask you guys if if you have this beer. We do. Oh, that's Molson. Oh, we do. It's Labatt Blue. Oh, it's um, Labatt Blue. Were, I'm so confused. If you were to go to Quebec, it would be Labatt Bleu. 
Oh, the don't try to make the bat blue fancy. <laughs> the the right? E switch places. Oh my god, Wait, that is adorable. On also. the can, the E and the U, the E and the U are in yeah. different places. That's it's bleu. kind yeah, of amazing. Yeah, because blue, blue. In, in French is bleu. bleu. <laughs> what did you grab, Links? I grabbed this very lovely. It's Ace Hill. It's a local brewery as well and oh, it's a yeah. pretty it is it's raspberry it Ooh. tastes just like raspberries it's the Ooh. most delicious thing i wish that i sounds could amazing we have I, a theme going raspberries yeah after you said that i was like i need i need either sour <laughs> or this and i had one so nice you know. it looks yeah. delicious well cheers yeah cheers, cheers ladies cheers are, thanks for being on our show oh yeah yeah, so we will get started then. We are doing our a playlist episode to celebrate women. Mm. <laughs> best songs about muses. Yes, best songs about muses. Mostly women, but not always women. Not always women. So that's, that's very right. exciting. We'll do our typical round robin style. Mm-hmm. And I guess I will just go first balls deep with my first pick, which is, <laughs> is a fun one. It's my apparent namesake been waiting for to play this song on this show <laughs> for yep. so long. so long uh rod stewart's maggie may Damn, Rod, you gotta you gotta come in there with the the ageism. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, um, my mother told me when I was younger that I was named after Maggie May. Which, first of all, Maggie is not my real name. Maggie yeah. is my nickname. Margaret is my real name. Right. Secondly, oh, thanks. When I'm old, if I want to be a Margaret, I can be a Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm like, I'm sick of Maggie. I have Call op- me Margaret. I have options now. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I also think my mom was full of shit because <laughs> first of all, I think she was convinced I was going to be a boy because she was like dead set on Robert. And then like, I was a girl and I think she was like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> Margaret? Sure. <laughs> or potentially was also going to be Charlotte. And I was like, no, oh. I'm glad. I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I make You're a not good a Charlotte. Charlotte. No, I'm not a good Charlotte. <laughs> you're welcome but i also my um, mom my mom was gonna call me andreana and apparently what? she wrote it over and over and over again like in a notebook andreana andreana and then i popped out and she was like Chantel. <laughs> i love like when parents was like nah fuck okay. it. you know what i thought nah i changed my mind <laughs> my mother wanted to name me angelica oh and my dad i, I can wanted see Lynx. that but links is way better yeah yeah, I'm, I'm glad, glad. I'm glad your dad, you know, pushed her in that direction. Yeah, but it's like, hi, I'm Shanti, and I'm Lynx, and this is Muses. Imagine it was like, hi, I'm Andreana, and I'm Angelica. I'm Angelica. <laughs> oh my god! And we're in the Babysitters Club. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a very different podcast. <laughs> yeah, it really would. Oh wow. my god, that's too funny. 
But also, I feel like if my mom knew the story behind Maggie Mae, she would not have named me Margaret. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, what is the story behind so, Maggie Mae? This song was written about Rod's regrets about losing his virginity to an unknown woman at the Bolu Jazz Festival. I don't know if I said that right. I'm so sorry. Uh, it was back in 1961. Hot. It was yeah. like, you know, his first, he was like 16. And he's like, ah, I'm going to live my best life and go to this jazz festival. And it was like <laughs> Woodstock for jazz. And everybody's sleeping in tents. Because you know it gets everybody hot and bothered for a 16-year-old. <laughs> jazz. <laughs> <laughs> but he... Apparently, you know, it's tense everywhere. He meets this older woman. He's like assumed she was in her 30s, I guess. And she took him back to her tent and had her way with him. And then he was kind of like, I don't know if I should have done that. <laughs> but like, I don't know. You're 16 and you're horny. Like, live what are your you going to do? I don't, I don't uh, know. But that's also why I think he like throws in the little quips about like, man, I didn't know how old you were until the morning I woke up and I was like, whoa, you're wow, 30. Shots fired. It's, it's a really weird feeling that I have about it because I'm like, yo, you should not be sleeping with a 16 year old if you're 30. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were, I was driving with TJ today and we were listening to on Sundays, there's this like Rick Ashby's, uh, is that his name? Like only play songs between 1955 and 1975. Yeah. Oh. So it's oldies. And so the song came comes on and it's you're 16, you're beautiful, and you're mine. No, and TJ no. and I looked at each other and we're like, oh no. <laughs> and and, and um, yeah, we were like changing the lyrics to like yeah. not be yeah. horrifying. Yeah. Gonna get in trouble. <laughs> but it's funny because uh he does not remember the name of the woman that he slept with. Mm-hmm. surprise surprise so he named the song at maggie may after a classic liverpudlian song no. <laughs> i made it come it's coming back liverpudlian it's making a comeback i love um, that word i know it's so it's, it's <laughs> the best word but yeah it's uh it's a song about a prostitute and the lyrics go on about dirty no good robin maggie may being picked Wait, up I'm by a sailor for adult relations and then he wakes up and he finds that she stole all of his money and his clothes so she gets arrested and goes to australia <laughs> aka british jail <laughs> oh my god yeah so, i don't know how i feel about wait, this song anymore so he takes a song about losing his virginity which granted she probably shouldn't have slept with a 16 year old mm -hmm. but we don't know if he told her hey i'm 20 who knows yeah. or but, they were all very drunk and just didn't and give just a shit didn't give a shit but then he turns it around and makes it about a prostitute. So is he saying, is he equating her to a prostitute? Maybe. A little bit. Rod Stewart. And also it's I kind of funny questions. coming from Rod Stewart. Mm. Mm. He, is, he wasn't well known for his, well, you know, not sexualizing of women. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what I really like about this is it became very popular during the skiffle craze of the 1950s. And it was a staple in the Quarrymen's repertoire oh, really then, yeah yeah and when they became the beatles they um have an extract of that skiffle version at the end of the a-side for let it be huh wow i had no idea that they covered what? that That's how crazy. old is this song it's like 1800s it's like an old school like liverpudlian mm. kind of like on the docks song that the workers would say wait maggie may is the the prostitute Maggie May one, not the older woman I slept with Maggie oh, May. Oh, okay. I was <laughs> they're pretty, both I was called confused. Maggie May. 
it's not it's not none of this makes sense it's okay fine. the folk so version that he was inspired name. by okay gotcha inspired by <laughs> <laughs> for a hot second i thought that maggie may the rod stewart song was on the end of a beatles album and i was like wait nope Rework those. No, yeah, because this came out in the seventies. There's no way that right. could happen. Right. Timelines. <laughs> now I get Did I it. ever tell you guys that I went to Liverpool? No. no. How was it? Yeah. Yeah. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> I spent a week there. I hung out with people that litter. I met like some real Liverpoolians and we went out and I went to the Beatles exhibition and oh, cool. I died during the last part of it. While my Liverpoolian lover held me tight, it was <laughs> the best. This is honestly the best ever. No, I believe <laughs> Die it. Happy. Liverpool sounds like a rad place to visit. I would love to go. It was awesome. It seems like a rad place to live. Yeah, mm, I bet. Oh, all right. So we can move on to uh, Ashley's first pick. Oh, it, which is a classic love song at this point. Something by the Beatles. Don't want to leave her now You know I believe in how My favorite thing about this video is how, like, Maureen just looks like she hates Ringo. <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking Ringo. <laughs> oh. They were going through a lot at that time, I yeah, feel like. Pretty much everybody except for, like, no, actually, it was just Ringo. Ringo was having a very hard time <laughs> in his relationship at that point. The rest of the other guys were, like, in the honeymoon phases of their relationships. Um, yeah. I don't know if George really, George and Patty really were. But, when he wrote it, I guess. But yeah, but I guess yeah, when he wrote it. Leave. But then, like hilariously and pretty ridiculously, as time went on, he like kept doubling down on how the song was not about Patty. And it's like, no, we, it should be about Patty, dude. Yeah. Like, why can't you just say it's about your fucking wife? So he wrote it in like it came out on Abbey Road in 1969, mm. and. Of course, it has one of the most recognizable and beautiful guitar riffs that he has ever written, but also has become kind of like a standard in love songs because, and I love the lyrics because it starts off really great with there's like something in the way that she moves, which is totally ripped off of a James Taylor song, by the way. Oh, <laughs> he ripped it off of a James Taylor song. But the lyrics continue to basically say, I cannot describe what it is about this person that I really love. So I'm just not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> it's something. okay? And, and it's so it's just something. Right. I don't know. I just need the lyrics for this song and whatever. So like it just kills me that he went from saying it was about Patty to then saying it was about the Hindu deity uh, Krishna. Because, of course, George would say that. 
Yeah. And then ev- hurry, hurry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then eventually he just ended up saying that it was actually he was thinking about Ray Charles when he wrote it. And I'm like, well, why can't you just say it's about Patty? <laughs> no, I'm mad at it right now. I'm not going to say it's about Patty. <laughs> you, you can't just give it to her. Just give it to her. You've given it to her before. Why can't you just give it to her now? <laughs> She's a babe. You know what? Yeah. It makes it a better song. It's like, don't you understand that your audience connects to it because of that? Like, why are you trying to take that away? And honestly, I feel like as soon as you say, well, I wrote it about this Hindu deity, a whole lot of people are going to be like, well, I can't really relate to that. Yeah. So like, good for you. It's cool. But that's like our wedding song. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say it was about Patty. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently that was like not an original video that they authorized to make. Somebody randomly made that particular video that we just played. The one that everybody associates with this song, with the couples just walking around on their respective estates and stuff. But somebody apparently did that randomly like years later. And then it ended up on like YouTube and stuff. I love that. And, and like George was just not happy about it. He's like, this is this is a stupid video. And I don't like that people associate the song with it. The video does not have a lovely structure. <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, videos didn't exist there. It wasn't like right. MTV was a thing. So yeah, anytime they made a music video, it wasn't technically that. It, it was, was just like yeah, it was a just like promo clip or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I I 100% double down that it is about Patty. And Absolutely. she looks fantastic in that video. Oh my god. Abraham Lincoln for president. <laughs> Absolutely. God, yeah. The Boyd sisters. Uh, oh yeah, left. Jenny too. Yeah, we, we interviewed all of them. We interviewed Patty's sister Jenny. That's right. Oh my god, that was a good one. So if you want to if you want to hear it from yes. the mouth of the babe, <laughs> head over The babe with the listen, power. Listen to our episode, yeah, the power of who? <laughs> who do? Jenny Boyd. <laughs> you do? Do what? The power of remind me of the babe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not gonna do that. No, nope. man. Now I regret spoilers. I regret not picking a Bowie song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just want to listen to Bowie. But we've, you know what though? We've got some classic dad rock coming up here with uh, Shanti's first pick. If you want to intro it, my dear. Yeah. So I I know that it was like, let's all pick a song inspired by like a woman, you know, International Women's Month. But uh, <laughs> for some reason, I decided to say no. Uh, that, You're not the only one. She's a rebel. Yeah. That would be expected of me. That would be too on brand. So why take two idiotic bands <laughs> from the 70s and talk about their idiotic feud <laughs> oh they had a feud this just got and spicy that is that's the theme well they quote unquote had a feud they like i'll explain it as we go on but i chose steely day and the eagles and their little universe how they both reference each other in individual 1976 songs and then i'm gonna bring it all home in my third pick nice wowie wow wow i did not know you have a whole storyline like going on parallel to this i'm into it i'm here for the hot gas (laughs) yeah yeah look so i don't i don't know if it's like 
the three Advil combined with the couple <laughs> first sips of my Labatt Blue, but I am vibing. Okay. Right. Yes. Let's do this. We're here for this. Right. Ooh, I want that hot guy. So, so yeah, I mean, I wanted, I was particularly interested in artists communicating through their songs that actually didn't have anything to do with a romantic relationship. Um, so the two lines that stood out in my mind were the two lines and two songs from these two bands, Steely Dan and the Eagles. The song from Steely Dan is Everything You Did and the Eagles Hotel California. So let's start with the first song, Everything You Did by Steely Dan. Okay. This came out in 1976 and appeared on their album, The Royal Scam. Right. The song lyrics written by Walter Becker and Donald Fagan tell the tale of a jealous lover who catches his partner cheating and then wants to know about all of the acts that took place between lovers. Mm. It's specifically the line in this song that they sing and it goes, turn up the eagles, the neighbors are listening. Ah! <laughs> I don't know if I queued it up to that, but like, ooh. Hawkass. <laughs> All right, let's just hear a snippet of it. Now you better tell me everything you did, baby. I jumped out of my easy chair. It was not my own. Now I want to hear about everything you did, baby. did it he did it <laughs> but also there like go. a roller skater i know a roller skater <laughs> wait is that like a reference you're you're a roller skater a roller skater is easy or something <laughs> that was interesting not for me to say <laughs> steely dan we need your thoughts and opinions on roller skaters <laughs> oh my god i never knew that there was a few like yeah. why were they feuding were they just like meh no, like Steely Dan. Okay. So this line in particular, turn up the eagles, the neighbors are listening, refers to how when Becker would argue with his girlfriend, they'd turn up the eagles to drown out their shouting. Oh. But legend has it that his girlfriend at the time was always playing the eagles and this bothered him. Asked by Uncut what he thought when he heard the line, Don Henley replied, I know them pretty well. And it was like he was sort of saying everybody's in L.A. playing this fucking record and I'm sick of it. It was a little bit of an acknowledgement and a little bit taking the piss because we had the same management. We still do. But, you know, very droll. Fagan in particular. Wow. Shots fired. So (laughs) I'll let you guys move on with yours. But the next time we come back to me, we're going to talk about the Eagles response to that. Oh, my God. I love it. Oh my god, I love this. Keeping people on the edge of their seats. You know, you guys you, are professionals. You pay for the whole seat, but you only need the edge. <laughs> my god. <laughs> All right, well, to be continued. And it's just so dumb. It's it so is. dumb that of I was like, let's let's just get But let's you just... know what? That's half the reason why I like doing this show because we get to like gossip about like 
dumb 70s rock dudes <laughs> doing stupid shit. That's like the best part. Uh, and we get to we get to make fun of Don Henley and a lot in this oh, episode. Yeah. So <laughs> I love that. Perfect. <laughs> All righty. Uh, Miss Lynx, would you like to introduce your first pick? Yes. Okay. So yeah, Mrs. Potter's Lullaby is by the Counting Crows. Can't say I'm a huge fan of theirs, but I thought the story was interesting. Are you a huge fan? No, I hate them. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, oh my dear God, because I want to make fun of them. Oh, I will help you. <laughs> so exciting. Good, 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 good. <laughs> so yeah. While we were syncing up the YouTube videos to play them. We were doing that. I'm like, I hate to say it, but I fucking hate the Counting Crows. I fucking hate that guy. I hate his face and his dumb dreads. We're going to make fun I- of his dumb dreads a lot. Please. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. I'm not picking this song because I adore it. I just thought it was an interesting story. It has a good story. And I want to make fun of him. (laughs) That's what we're here for. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, the song was written by Adam Duritz about the actress Monica Potter. Uh So Monica was pretty big in the late 90s. She had two big blockbuster hits come out within a year, and that was Con Air and Patch Adams. Oh. Yeah. Oh. She was she also a- in, like, Along Came a Spider. She was, yes. like, in a, in a couple of, like, thrillers. Absolutely. I think she was in a couple, like, Spoilers, she ended up being a villain. Yeah, Along <laughs> Came a Spider. And then the teen movie she did was with, like, Freddie Prinze. Yes. Where she, like, lived what? with models. Yes. What was it? Oh, I don't know. I, I was like, she's the all only that. thing that's coming to mind is she's all that. It's always, always. She's all that. <laughs> if she takes yeah. off her glasses, she's hot. Head over heels. Yes. Oh. Thank you. I was like, it's like it's it's like a, it's like a she's all that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they Basically all were like the same thing. This is the same yeah. thing. So it was either seeing one or the other. I imagine he wants to say it was seeing Con Air, but it was probably Patch Adams that inspired him to write this song, right? Which is a real downer of a movie. Yeah, well, Adam Duritz is a downer, so. Mm. (laughs) Um, The lyrics are pretty straightforward. Do you want to play a clip? Yeah. Sure. Let's let's hear a little little snippet of this, babe. Swinging trapezes through circles of flame. Stared off into the distance, then your life is a shame. No, I'll never forget your face. Sometimes I can't remember my name. Hey, Mrs. Potter, don't cry. Hey, Mrs. Potter, I know. Nobody all of their songs kind of sound the same to me they, they do have, right yeah. yeah so yeah the lyrics are basically about someone falling in love with this idealized version of someone and you know the hope that we all have at the beginning of a new romance when we don't actually know the person and we're just projecting everything that we want them to be on them yeah, yeah. oh that makes <laughs> we sense we all do it we all do it yeah uh, towards the end of the song he sings i don't know you and you're probably not what you seem but I'd sure like to find out why don't you climb 
off that movie screen. Oh. Mm. Oh. Okay. okay. So apparently he wrote the song in an eight-hour sitting ever before ever meeting Monica. He just saw the movie and was in awe of her beauty, of course. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess. I know. <laughs> she's, she's fine. She's, she's pretty. pretty. Yeah, she's pretty. I'm sure she's it's a nice girl. I think about that movie where she's like all next to all the supermodels and it's like, yeah, yeah like you're not a supermodel, but you're very pretty. But yes. Yeah. Um, so as fate would have it though their paths were about to cross so about a week after Adam wrote the song he got a call from a friend of his saying that he was with Monica's agent and how they kind of just wanted to go out for dinner with him I don't know if she was the one who pushed it or if she heard already that he wrote a song I'm sure they had in between people who are like you know like things that was going on (laughs) so the weirdest coincidence though is that he was actually at the studio setting up to record mrs potter's lullaby at the time that he got yeah so he was like okay i'm gonna leave the studio let's go meet up so he met up with monica and friends of theirs for dinner so interesting right the odds are just so strange Monica learns about the song. She's extremely flattered, of course, and he invites her back to the studio for the recording. I have a book called The Girl in the Song by Michael Heatley, and there's a quote in there from Monica. She says, he wrote this song about me, and I was so flattered because I had just gotten divorced, and it was a very hard time, which I feel explains a lot. Like, Monica, I get it. I get it. (laughs) I feel you, girl. Because before I was like, really? But now I'm like, okay, yeah, you're you're going through yeah, a hard time. Before hearing that, you're like, this guy wrote a song about you and you're flattered? Okay. <laughs> I mean, the sure. 90s were different. It was a weird time, <laughs> I guess. Never met, but she you was never like, met and okay. Yeah. But somehow so- apparently Adam Duritz has that like magic je ne sais quoi je ne sais quoi that like we just don't understand we will talk about that in a minute oh (laughs) for sure please let us talk about that that's exactly why i picked this song yes but back to um monica over the next few weeks adam and the band were working on the album and they were mixing the song and they end up with so many overdubs and edits that the band just hated the song they felt like they completely ruined it they were like, it's no good. It's too much. Like, let's cut it. So they decided to cut it from the album. But during those weeks, he was also developing this relationship with Monica. And he was at her house one day and he was telling her, like, we can't use the song. It's garbage. And she was like, what do you mean? Like, I, it's great. I listen to it every day. And he's like, what do you mean you listen to it every day? So apparently the producer, the Counting Crows producer, had given her a tape marked potter take four and she had this early version of it and she played it all the time and she played it for adam and he loved it and he realized like oh shit like we just put too much in like we just need to strip it back Mm -hmm. he says it's funny how you can destroy a song by breaking it down too much you lose perspective this is a perfect example of how you can completely screw up something great so they took that version of it I assume mixed it and everything. And that's the version that ended up on their 1999 album, This Desert Life. And they released it as a single with a video that features a Monica Potter lookalike. 
Um, I read. Okay. That's yeah. weird. But yep. okay. Not her, but look alike. <laughs> I read online that some of the other songs off that album were influenced by her, including Colorblind, Four Days, and Kids Things, though I couldn't find anywhere where either of them say that specifically. So I don't know if it's just presumption because that's when they were dating when he was <laughs> writing that or not. So I don't want to say for certain those were about her. Um, their relationship didn't last long, of course. And in 2006, while on stage, Adam commented that Monica, and I'm quoting here, turned out not to be exactly like the role she played on screen. Oh, no shit. My God. No shit. Fuck no you. Shit. No and it's shit, like- Adam. <laughs> Dreadhead bullshit <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. So, yeah, life imitating art there. And yeah, of course, she's not. She's an actress. She's playing a character. Yeah, that's it's literally her job to be different people. Now, this is the real question. She obviously wasn't the only woman on the big screen that Adam fell for. Mm -hmm. He has an incredible array of actresses that he's Mm -hmm. dated in the 90s. I'm going to name some. Courtney Cox, Jennifer Aniston, Laura Flynn Boyle, Mary Louise Parker, Samantha Mathis, Emmy Rossum, and he was also rumored with Winona Ryder and Nicole Kidman. What? What? How? What? How? Right? Wow. I don't get it. Like, I really don't want to offend the guy because he seems like he's a soft boy. But, <laughs> like... <Soft boy. laughs> How? How? I don't understand how anybody can look at that guy from like across the room and be like, oh, my God, he's so sexy. One time I like kind of dated a guy just because he had an Australian accent. I mean, that's legit. <laughs> yeah. If Adam Duritz had like an anything Australian else accent, about him. <laughs> accents are he's hot. got something. Do you yeah. know what I mean? He yeah, has to have something. So is like a stage presence. So is like filling out a stadium. So is like money. I have so, seen yeah, them so. on stage. I have worked their show once and I still don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I thought you were like, you know what? I could see it. No. I mean, I guess maybe he's just the kind of guy you have to be around to to get it. I imagine I his a, personality must be like it's got to be off the charts, right? He probably is just one. Maybe he's a sociopath and he knows how to present <laughs> himself like when he first meets people. And then once like the mask starts to come off and you're like, oh, no, this is exactly turning out <laughs> how I thought it would turn out. Maybe. maybe. That's maybe assumption. he just meets these women at the right moment, right? Like she just had a divorce. Maybe that's a contributor for sure. Are we going to have to do an investigative podcast where we try to figure <laughs> out what it is about Adam Duritz? Yes. All right. We can do call it. There's something about Adam Duritz and talk to everybody else who knows him, but never talk to him. <laughs> yes. There's something about Adam. Give it a really serious tone to it. Yes. No oh laughing at all. Yes. This is I mean, going to be. be- there must be something about Adam. Yeah. There's got to be. God, I would happily date any of those women. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, I would. Ra- I would so much rather date the women than that Adam was. Durant. That was a downstep for all of those women. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> oh my God. I loved that story. And I loved making fun of Adam Dirt. <laughs> Thank you for uh, indulging me. And now I'm gonna have to work on my my true crime voice. There, there's a man named Adam Duritz, and somehow <laughs> he dates beautiful women, and we don't know how. On the next episode of There's Something About Adam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
we, oh. we take a deep dive into his first major girlfriend. <laughs> and she has things to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I want that. That was perfect. <laughs> oh, we're doing it. That's our next foyer. That's it. Yep. Anyway, um, so <laughs> my song, my second pick is um, about a lady and is not necessarily a romantic song. But it also is kind of a romantic song. It's about a lot of ladies and a lot of scenarios. A lot of ladies, a lot of songs, some songs about ladies, but ladies. Songs. And songs. <laughs> it's Fleetwood Mac's Sarah. Yay. <laughs> I could just listen to the song for 20 hours. It's fine. <laughs> what is a playlist episode for Rock Candy without Fleetwood Mac? Uh, yeah. No, it doesn't exist. We have to have a Fleetwood Mac song on every playlist episode. <laughs> I almost picked a Stevie Nicks one as well. Because oh, I was yeah. Like, Someone has to put Stevie in here, right? But oh, I yeah. I mean, full disclosure. If you want to hear about. Shanti. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you did. If you want to hear about what a dickhead Lindsay Buckingham is, head over oh, to episode. Yes. I don't know yes. what episode it is, but we talk about uh, Carol Ann Harris's autobiography stories oh, yes. about yes. Uh, being in a relationship with Lindsay and contenting. It's not oh an God. easy episode to listen no. to. We we covered Fleetwood Mac in our third episode. Please do not go listen to it no. because it is <laughs> not great. Like the audio is bad and like we can do yeah. better. We will do better. At some point we will recover Fleetwood Mac. But um, yeah. Did you read? You read her I read autobiography. And I'm like, I'm, I'm 50-50 on it because some of it I'm like, there's factual evidence that what you're saying isn't true. But then, like, I 100% believe everything she says about Lindsay yeah. Buckingham being a piece of garbage. Because he was a piece of garbage to Stevie Nicks, too. Oh, my God. So, like, she even talks about that in her book about how he treated her so shitty. Yeah. He's, she's like, whoa. Yep. He's kind of mean to her as ex. Wow. Good <laughs> thing I'm not his ex. Yet. Yet. <laughs> yet. Uh, yeah, no, this, this song fortunately doesn't have too much to do with Lindsay. I mean, it kind of does. I don't even know if I even need my notes because I feel like between all of us all of us already know <laughs> all of us fucking Fleetwood Mac heads we all know but yeah I mean this song is definitely about a lot of ladies uh named though after Sarah was it Recor Recor the woman who married Mick Fleetwood yeah I think it's it Recor I'm not I, sure. I, I just feel bad if I'm saying her name wrong but uh but while Mick was still married to Jenny Boyd he started having an affair with Stevie because she just broke up with Lindsay 
and like Stevie's in a place and they're all doing cocaine, even though Stevie was dating Don Henley. Yep. But Don Henley, also a piece of shit with like crazy curly hair. Who <laughs> <laughs> looked strikingly like Lindsay at one point. They really did. Like around, this, around that time, they kind of look the same. Yeah. It's yep. weird. So even later on, Stevie says like her relationship with Don was just like not great. Yeah. Like they weren't a good couple. Um, so she starts sleeping with Mick and they like develop this whole thing. And then her friend, Sarah, I think if I understand it right, meets Mick and is like, yo, let me climb that tall ass ladder though and get a drink of water. <laughs> that tall boy. I want that tall boy. <laughs> Honestly, 70s Mick Fleetwood would hit it. Would hit it. Mm-hmm. All day, every day. <laughs> oh my Irish God. 2020 years. McFleetwood. I'd still <laughs> you know what? Honestly, right. here for I think it. he looks better now. Especially when we went and saw them in concert a couple oh, years yeah. ago. He looked great. He looked fantastic. I was like, shit. Can't still get it. Yeah. Oh, God. But so yeah. Sarah kind of makes her moves on Mick and Mick's like, yo, I'm into this. And then they start <laughs> dating. And Stevie's like, well, I guess that's it for me. May. <laughs> was fun thanks and actually what hurts what stevie said hurt her more wasn't like not being with mick anymore but she felt like she kind of lost her friendship with sarah after that and like that was actually more painful because it was like an awkward friendship after that Mm. but then don slides on and is like nah 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 this song's about our baby that she aborted and she's like can you not don (laughs) because like apparently pulling a kanye Oh, yeah right <laughs> nobody asked for this don donye donye <laughs> but he said stevie always loved the name sarah and she said like oh if like i could have this baby which like here's the thing they made a proper adult decision we're like it is not fair to bring this kid into the world right now because neither of us are in a fucking place to have a kid mm-hmm. so she got an abortion but said you know if it was a girl and we had it i'd name her sarah which i think there is some truth to that part but also like go fuck yourself don henley yeah and um but also stevie does reference this as pretty much one of her favorite songs and the song itself is a muse for her you know sarah you're the poet of my soul you know that's all like the song kind of just represents a lot of her inner being Mm. there's a lot in this song i like that it's like a real onion of a beautiful fucking song yeah it is a jam (laughs) 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 is that is that the same friend that passed away a few years after this or is that a different person i think that was a different person okay i know it's stevie writes a lot of very autobiographical personal songs and it's very easy to confuse them (laughs) well it's a very good song and very some versions are very long i know i was like oh shit i grabbed the best of which is like seven minutes (laughs) whoops oops but also no i'll listen to it it's also very good it's a good jam so my next beautiful (laughs) so to continue on this theme of unconventional muses yeah this one is so this one is devin townsend's canada and he is also canadian which i thought was appropriate since our guests are canadian Mm -hmm. (laughs) drinking your little bat blue (laughs) so yeah play the clip okay
Yeah, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know the last time we were talking about doing this episode, you guys said you don't know who Devin Townsend is. Which, if you want to know about Devin Townsend, you can listen to our episode from like, I don't know, like two years ago. <laughs> yeah. And we just sing or we talk about how we want him to sing into our vaginas because he has an amazing voice. Yeah, he has. He does. Cool. He has an amazing, amazing voice. So Devin is from Canada. He's from Vancouver, however, which is the exact opposite coast from you guys. <laughs> but he's uh, he's been around for a really long time. A really amazing metal musician and songwriter um but puts on a great show fantastic show he's weird and he's funny (laughs) so that's all you really need to know but this was this song in particular was written for Devin's 2001 album Teria which was a tribute to his homeland of Canada so we're we're doing country as muse in this album so it's kind of nice to not have like an a person but more just a land yeah of Canada lovely country so he wrote Teria after touring across the country and falling back in love with the country. And he had also released a really bad album in 2000 <laughs> called Physicist. Don't listen to that one, please. Don't. It's terrible. <laughs> it's over. terrible. And that album, everyone, including Devin, hated. And he felt he needed to make a better album to repay his debts to to society to his country (laughs) so he made teria and this song in particular is like calling out canada as being a beautiful country and how much you know it's inspired him and there's one particular (laughs) because Devin is really weird with his lyrics he'll go from like philosophical to completely fucking literal (laughs) in within like between a chorus and a verse so there's one like kind of bridge part in this song where he literally just lists like the economic things that are great about Canada. He's like, it's wheat, it's oil, it's beef. And it's really fucking funny. But it's really, it makes sense. And it's very Devin. Yeah. And this song just really is, it's, it has metal aspects to it, but it's very mellow. This whole album is pretty mellow for a metal guy. Um, but it's it's so cohesive and it makes so much sense and he did such a fucking good job on it. Highly recommend this album. It's one of my favorite Devin Townsend albums. So yeah, country as muse. Yeah, and I, like I think it. it's it's the sound of it too. At least in this part, not when it goes to the breakdown part. <laughs> not like, when he's screaming about beef. <laughs> beef. <laughs> but like this part specifically has like that very kind of ethereal, that very feel. ethereal. Devin Townsend like wall of sound kind of I could I could picture climbing a mountain in Vancouver be like this is pretty and listening to the song like yeah I like it here beef (laughs) get it beef beef (laughs) denim labat blue beef beef you know what I like it here I'm proud to be a Canadian (laughs) right got it Cool. Yeah. Good to know. No, I'm going to make Thank sure you. that I great. put him on my list. And anytime he visits Toronto and tours here, I'm definitely going to check him out next time. Yeah. Oh, his show is super fun. Very, very good. He has a lot of different side projects, too, that he brings into his shows and does music from kind of all of them. So it's it's fantastic. I just yeah, love awesome. his shows. 
I love right. that you educated us on a Canadian. Yay, look <laughs> hey, at us. Like- We're helping. <laughs> We're helping. Yay. That's okay. Shanti is educating us hardcore on the 70s drums. <laughs> I am here for it. Go- gorgeous <laughs> transition. <laughs> Why don't we just go ahead and pop back into 1976? <laughs> the scene All is right? 1976. <laughs> All right. Last so time. the second pick. For this song is one by the Eagles that responded to Steely Dan's super hard put down. (laughs) (laughs) So not that anybody needs this song on any more playlists, but it's Hotel California. (laughs) And I'm going to give you the line and I'll tell you specifically where in the song you can find it because it's towards the end. Oh, yeah. yeah. The line is. They stab it with their steely knives, but they just can't, oh, can't kill, the, kill beast. the beast. Oh, shit. So, steely knives is for Steely Dan. Champagne on ice. And she said, we are all just prisoners here of our own device. And in the master's chambers, they gathered for the feast. They stab it with their steely knives, but they just can't. But you can never leave. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I'm so I sorry. I always wondered you what they meant by that. I just thought it was they were really sharp knives. Yeah, like so they're like, really oh. shiny. Like they got those really well, good like, my friend. knives. <laughs> Shanti's got the gas. Look no Give further. Give me that hot gas. Look no further because I've been... Aware of this since approximately 2005 and in my part three of why I will explain Mm -hmm. why I I even give a shit about any of this. (laughs) So, yes, I love this. They can stab it with their steely knives, but they just can't kill the beast can be taken two ways. If you want to look at it more as a clapback response in the way that only privileged white male rockers could do, it's just them insulting Steely Dan. Apparently, they changed the lyrics to stab it with their Steely Dans, but changed it to knives because obviously... It's too obvious. That it would be too obvious. And also the Steely Knife refers can refer to... E- be referred to either as a phallic symbol because like ha ha gay jokes and uh. also a hypodermic needle because the song was about a seedier side of LA. Okay. Oh, yep. 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 Finally, Fry himself has said, one of the things that impressed us about Steely Dan was that they would say anything in their songs and it didn't have to necessarily make sense, he said. They called it joke sculpture. When we thought of the song Hotel California, we started thinking that it would be very cinematic to do it sort of like a Twilight Zone. You just have one line that says there's a guy on the highway. The next line says there's a hotel in the distance and there's a woman there and then he walks in. It's just all one shots strung together and you sort of draw your own conclusions from it. He recalled that and he said Henley was sort of trying to expand our lyrical horizons and just take on something in the realm of the bizarre as Steely Dan had done. So really huge like Eagles heads and Steely Dan heads. Micah, look, there was actually no feud at all. 
if anything, they were on the same management. They were trying to one up each other and it was a playful, it was a playful jab at each other, but nothing sincerely. You can almost say that Steely Dan was a muse for that song. You could, you could, especially Hmm. because they wanted to emulate that style a little bit. But in my third part, I'm going to, I don't even know. I'm not even going to spoil it. Buckle up. It's going to be a bit of an experimental, fictionalized version of how the two bands came together to be on my third song. (laughs) Okay. Oh, my God. Man, this is going to be exciting. You know what? I'm enticed. I'm here for it. I'm still on the edge. got a whole story (laughs) beginning to end. Yeah. Yeah. Someone told me on TikTok recently. I posted uh, like a 60-second clip about a song, and someone's like, a story needs to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't have that much time on TikTok. Like six yeah. seconds is how most about, people's Also, I'm talking about, about reality, okay? I'm not talking about a story. This yeah. happened in real life. Sometimes there's no ending. But also, if you want a beginning, a middle, and an end, listen to my fucking podcast. <laughs> we exactly. have plenty of beginnings and middles and ends over there. <laughs> Somebody also commented on TikTok. Wait, is this TikTok just a promotion for your podcast? And it's like, yes, yes! motherfucker. That's, That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. What are you what doing? What else do you think? Fuckers <laughs> are think I doing do for fun. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh my god. Why do you think we haven't gotten on TikTok yet? We're like, oh god, this is nobody this is over the age of thirty does TikTok for fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do it for money and hits. God damn it. Exactly. Yo, times are tough, and I haven't started an OnlyFans yet. <laughs> well, all right. Well, stay tuned, everyone, for Return of the Dan. Yes. Coming up. The, the conclusion of this feud. Until then, let's right. go into Sean or uh, Lynx's pick. Okay. So my next one is going to be Jim Carroll, the Jim Carroll band, and a song that they did called Crow. So Jim Carroll is best known as a poet and an author. Leonardo DiCaprio played him in the film version of his memoir, The Basketball That's Diaries. Why I know the name. Oh, yeah. God, That's I right. watched that when I shouldn't have been watching it. Course, absolutely. <laughs> it's Leonardo I mean, DiCaprio. I think we're all like the same age, same generation. Yep. DiCaprio, like you were watching that at like 9, 10, 11. Like, yeah. Being like, ooh. Yeah. And still being like super attracted to him, even when he's like, you know, strung out of his mother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got like the snot coming out of his mouth and like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Leo's the wow. best crier. He's the best crier. And all <laughs> he of the fully commits. Where he's like losing his yeah. mind. Oh, he's like, he this is my commits. one shot to make this cry like real hard and real believable. <laughs> so go all in. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> So the Jim Carroll band released their debut album, Catholic Boy, in 1980. This is a fantastic album. I play it all the time. It's honestly a favorite of mine. Highly recommend beginning to end. It's great. And it really tells his story. And I really love that. And that's also why I love this song, because I love when songs contain like a whole a beginning, a middle and an end. Um, (laughs) I just like when they like contain a story within them and like you get to know someone's life through like a song in one go type of thing. Yeah. Of course, 
I guess that there was no end because that was 1980 and this person's still alive. But (laughs) up until that point, he told her story. Okay, so this song is about Patti Smith, who is also a poet Mm -hmm. and a musician that I adore so much. And it was interesting because I love both of them separately ever since I was maybe like 10, 11, 12 and discovered them. But it was only in the past maybe five or six years that it clicked that this song was actually about Patty. It's one of those things that like, you know the lyrics, you hear it all the time, but you don't like hear it. You listen, but you don't hear. And so I thought I'd touch a little bit on each verse, but let's hear a clip first and go from there. Okay. He starts swinging just like light to a flat floor. He starts sliding like birds into a circle. where he's going with this also i've never listened to his music before but i'm really vibing on it oh my god you like listen to whole album i swear you're gonna love it so much it's so good it's so good so that was the second verse in which he mentions being um working as a cashier at a bookstore yeah Mm -hmm. patty smith worked at the strand in new york my favorite bookstore actually oh yeah um and i love i love the imagery there of like you get naked in the back shelves of you know and get your brain a tan by the fluorescent lights and everything i just love, <laughs> yeah. that. I love it so much and in the opening line he says it must be strange to fall from the sna- stage and snap a bone that's so close to the brain and that refers to a show that took place in tampa florida in 1977 patty plunged 15 feet into oh the orchestra God. yeah she tripped over an amp that was not secured and she was left with a fractured spine, a broken vertebrae. I think she had 22 stitches in her head. Oh it, God. it was a big thing. So yeah, the first verse, he tells that story. The second he's telling her about her time as a cashier in a bookstore in the final verse, he talks about how Patty cared for him during his roughest years. He says, it was so sweet when you brought donuts to the junkies. You'd give us something. We'd slip into our coffee. We'd start reading lines from poems that didn't matter. You covered me with blankets in the Chelsea hotel lobby. And I'd start reaching for the scar along your belly. So the scar he's referring to is the C-section that she had because she had a child that she gave up for adoption when she was 19. Mm-hmm. And when they met, she was, um, she was a resident at the Chelsea hotel. And Jim and her were briefly together, but of course he was, he had his own issues. She Mm -hmm. had her own issues. So their relationship turned into more of like a deep friendship and respect. Mm -hmm. And it was also at the Chelsea that Patty got her nickname Crow, 
not from Carol, but actually from Salvador Dali. Oh, yeah. Crazy. In her, right? <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. In her book, Just Kids, she says, I was thinking about what a magic portal this lobby was when the heavy glass door opened as if swept by a wind and a familiar figure black with a scarlet cape entered. It was Salvador Dali. He looked around the lobby nervously and then seeing me smiled. He placed his elegant bony hand atop my head and said, you are like a crow, a gothic crow. <laughs> oh, but that's, that's such adorable. a compliment. What a compliment. Right? Oh my right? Crows are great. And so fitting too. So yeah. fitting. And she also did um, a play with Sam Shepard and her character wanted to be a crow. And I don't know if that happened after this and like that inspired her or if that was a weird coincidence, but. All I can picture is Moira Rose. <laughs> right? <laughs> All I can picture. The crows have eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's so good. I know. I tried to do all crow themed, but. I just I couldn't for this. I'm sorry, but it's that's uh, okay. No worries. I still appreciate two this out of, imagery. You know what? A wise man once said, two out of three ain't bad." It's <laughs> true. <laughs> so before I finish up here, I just want to say both Patty and Jim began their careers as poets, and they performed at the St. Mark's Poetry Project all the time. And that's where Patty began doing her performance pieces with Lenny Kay playing guitar in the background. And the first time that happened was actually a strange kind of happy accident where she was supposed to be performing with Jim, but he ended up getting arrested and he didn't Ooh. make it to the show. Yeah. Ooh. And that's when Lenny stepped in and helped her out. So that's when she began to build this music career. Oh, shit. And Jim kind of focused on his writing. Jim ended up moving to San Francisco. And his first kind of foray into music was writing for other artists first because Patty was dating um, Alan from Blue Oyster Cult and he mm -hmm. helped write with them and Patty did as well. And then Patty was touring with her band and she asked Jim, would he come on stage and open for her when she was in San Diego, I believe. And he said, sure. I have a quote from Jim. He says, I went out on stage and it was incredible because for the first time in my life, I was having fun on stage. I never liked giving poetry readings, but there was this incredible energy from these kids in the audience. And there was this incredible energy coming from the music behind me. This was my first taste of really doing it and liking it, having all this energy, having all these kids to perform for. It was not just some stuffy college poetry audience. It was great. And I decided after that, maybe I could do this and perform myself. Yeah, so concerts I, are great. <laughs> I and I concerts. love how they both, they both not only like inspired each other, but they both pulled themselves into a, a career that they didn't even realize was meant for them. Yeah, right? that's crazy. Like that yeah. is really crazy. It's like because that one night he wasn't there, she got her career started, and then because she got her career started, she could start his career. That's that is really fucking crazy how that works. Right? It's a nice domino effect. Yeah, of niceness. That's not. I you know what? It. I like nice stories. Yeah. we don't hear them enough. It's true. It's true. Exactly. Um, I wanted to mention in case anyone hasn't seen it because it's so eighties and ridiculous and amazing that you should. But Jim and his band, the Jim Carroll Band, are featured in the 80s teen classic Tough Turf. 
with what? James Spader and Robert Downey Jr. So oh like boy! <laughs> oh my God! And the Jim Carroll band like play in one scene. You can you can even look it up on YouTube, like just the Jim Carroll part. Yeah, um, they play one of my favorite songs actually in the movie. But um, I think you should watch the whole movie because it's just so ridiculously eighties and amazing. Yeah, and of course. Yeah, that sounds Spader, like a good one to uh, just MST three K. Oh my God! I oh my God! Yes. See that. <laughs> yes. 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 Please do it. Um, Jim Carroll died in 2009. He was Aww. 60. Patty, of course, has paid tribute to Jim in her other live shows. She's covered his biggest hit, which was probably People Who Died, which is a song all about remembering and celebrating, you know, your friends who have passed on. Mm-hmm. That's nice. That's, yeah, that sucks that he's died, but I'm... That was bl- awesome. Fucking Lynx. She's... <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, what is this? Damn like, it, Lynx. She's like, with all been these doing fucking this with notes. you for five years, and I'm still impressed. <laughs> <laughs> and she impresses me every time. Oh, thank you. Yeah, last right. round. Last round. Last songs. And I'm... Last call. Up. Last call. <laughs> you don't gotta go home, but you, but you can't, can't stay, stay here. here. <laughs> in 30 minutes (laughs) anyway so my last pick also another one with several stories to it a little bit a little bit on the different side is the kinks lola Welcome to that being stuck in your head for the next day. Yeah, yeah welcome. <laughs> I think we have a one coming up soon that might just. Oh, no. Yeah, there's that one that's going to take kick kick that you right out of your head. <laughs> but yeah, I friggin' love this song. One of my favorite memories about that song is years ago, I worked at uh, the Troy Music Hall, which is in right but performance venue in downtown Troy. And on Wednesdays during the day, they had like this Wednesday farmer's market. And just during the summer, and I was going down to just grab some snacks. And they would let people perform. I would see performers around like the center square performing. And one time there was a boy, could not have been older than 12, just jamming out on an acoustic no. guitar to Lola. And I'm like, That's you you are adorable. singing about a drag queen slash transgender and woman. And I am so here for it. Amazing. Uh, so freaking cute it was like the nicest thing it almost made my ovaries work i was like (laughs) almost i could have a kid if it was quite like you and i don't want to have it and then wait 12 years exactly maybe it's shit yeah right maybe it's maybe the kid's shit i'm still gonna fuck this up you know what no you have i'm not gonna do it right (laughs) that's why i have pets but so there are a couple different stories on the origin of who this song is about but Either way, it's definitely like a drag queen or a transgendered woman. Also, I'm going to say transgendered, even though in every source they say like, quote unquote, like 
tranny or transsexual. Oh my God. These are not okay words. Not okay. <laughs> so just prefacing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So and le- transgender without the D. Yes. Right. Transgender. Correct. So lead singer Ray Davis said it was based on his personal experience when one night he was asked by a transgendered woman if he'd like to dance. He admitted she was gorgeous, but still declined the dance for obvious reasons because he's like, oh, I can tell it's not a woman and I'm still slightly, it's the 70s, guys. I'm still slightly <laughs> a very homophobic white, straight white man, man. Yeah. but not homophobic. No, no, like, they're not homophobic. I, just we, like, yeah, scared. He's just scared. Or not, uninterested. Yeah, or there uninterested. we go. All right. All right. This is a good way to put it. But it doesn't stop there. The story goes that the kinks manager, Robert Wace, ended up dancing with her that night. And then some say that they took a cab to his place afterwards. And then some beyond that say that they dated for a while. Good for them. I don't know how valid those parts are at the end. I think mm-hmm. he probably did dance with her because there's like a conversation. I guess they all had about like the next day, like, oh, did you dance there? No, I didn't. Oh, I think Robert did. Yeah. Well, I saw the five o'clock shadow on her or something like so I think some kind of something probably happened with the manager, but I don't know to what extent. As, as all of our eyes roll in unison. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the kinks, though, apparently did tend to draw like a decent LGBTQ plus crowd. Like they aren't strangers to singing about sexuality and like even like homosexuality and, you know, cross dressers, drag queens, whatnot. Um, because them. a lot of their songs would speak of that actually dave davies uh ray's brother slash the guitarist was bisexual or is bisexual well he he's like i'm not bi i've just you know i fucked men <laughs> if you don't okay. look them in the eye it's not gay <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like i think of the times where like the word scares them because they don't fully understand what it yeah. means like, i i think that's what it was so- like yeah but it's you get it yeah. yeah, but he's definitely bi. So, and that's great. I Good think that's awesome. Uh, others have speculated that it is about Candy Darling, part of the Warhol group that Ray actually ended up befriending. And yeah. some say he dated her. He denies it. Again, I don't know. But I looked at Kate, pictures of Candy. I'm like, work girl. Work. She's beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. Links, plug your episode. Plug your episode. <laughs> I did an episode on the song Walk on the Wild Side, which Candy is mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of other Warhol superstars and uh yeah check that out if you want to learn more about them I do actually I don't know shit about the Warhol group so I yeah. really need to try a I little talk bit about five different uh Warhol people in that episode so Ooh, nice yeah. that's awesome okay. I definitely need to get more into it but Candy herself and I'm sure you talk you know this and talked about this Candy herself is a trans icon she always knew she was different and was cross-dressing in the early 60s despite bullying and threats that she was subjected to. She was like, no, no, but like, this is who I am. She met Andy Warhol in the late 60s who caught her in a friend's play and asked her to be in some of his movies. And you know what? There may have been a long career for her there, but unfortunately she died of lymphoma at the age of 29. Oh my God. That right? is so, so young. young. So, f- so lymphoma young. at 29. I was like, that's not real Wikipedia. So I had to like, <laughs> go look up at other places. I'm like, oh, that's real. Yeah. Wow. That's not a thing that happens. It it's is. interesting also because you know that at the time transitioning was not as easy as it is now. Oh, yeah. that's easy now, but um i think she was doing things 
you know, injecting things and stuff that might not have been through the safety of a doctor. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of things like that. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. I imagine that played some part, which, and again, that's like really upsetting because it's like people who know who they are should have the ability to be able to be who they are. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree completely. And Um, and safely. And have it recognized by medical organizations as exactly. a legitimate thing and have it covered by yeah. health insurers mm-hmm. and have it done safely and everything mm-hmm. exactly yeah yeah i mean if anything it's tragic but hopefully her story is kind of that mm-hmm. cautionary tale like hey give a shit and help people be who they want to be for sure in safe man- manners yeah and even in that small period of time she created an amazing legacy clearly influenced a lot of people in a very small amount of time so i can only imagine what kind of person she was so anyway yes great so what's your final pick so my final pick in this final round is the way you used to do by queens of the stone age nice Okay, I got some delicious tea for this one. Okay, Slightly sweetened. Okay, so me and Maggie love Queens of the Stone Age. I'm sure you guys at least know. Okay, Okay. good, good. We are very big fans of Josh Homme. And yes, that is how you say his last name. (laughs) Do not come for us. (laughs) (laughs) So Josh Homme, up until relatively recently, was married to Brody Dale, who was the lead guitarist and singer for the distillers for a long time and then once the distillers were done she had another band called spinneret i'm not sure what she's doing now i think she has a new band i'm sorry i don't know the name of them she had a solo album as well in between she did she did have i think she's back with the distillers right now yeah they did kind of revive they didn't i'm talking on my ass i don't know (laughs) but anyway so going back a little bit so this song is is about Brody Dale, Queens of the Stone Age lead singer, composer's um, ex-wife, now ex-wife. So the story goes, Brody was married to rancid frontman Tim Armstrong. No shit. They met when he was 30 and she was 16. And they waited two years until Brody turned 18. And then she moved out to L.A. with him and they got married. Yikes. Yikes on bikes. I don't like I don't love that. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, when Brody was 17, she met Josh Homme, who was 23. Okay. And they stayed friends through, you know, her marriage and whatever. But apparently the marriage to Tim Armstrong was not a good one. So Brody and Tim went through a real shitty divorce in 2003. She said it took like three years for her to like get up the courage to leave him. Oh, shit. 
And honestly, I I believe her. Oh, yeah. 100% believe her. But their divorce spawned Rancid's album Indestructible, which led to Brody being called the most hated woman in punk rock. Because, of course, everybody in the punk rock scene is going to side with Tim Armstrong because he's the lead singer of Rancid and she's just, you know, his wife. Cool. Right. Great. <laughs> which is such bullshit. Love so, it. So, like, she... She kind of embraced that label and went on a tour that I think she called the tour like the most hated woman in punk rock or something like that, (laughs) which is like point in your corner, lady. I enjoy that. Like embrace it. Just, you know, take it. So meanwhile, Brody and Josh started dating. They eventually got married. They had three kids and they divorced in 2019 with both sides claiming domestic abuse. Oh shit. Yeah. And they really? both got re- yeah, they got restraining orders on each other. Oh my god, I guess it wasn't a great marriage. So, who knows what really is going on there? I don't know. I'm going to have to do a a deeper dive cuz eventually we'll do an episode on Queens of the Stone Age. We have to. We have to. And I would love to do an episode on Brody Dale too because she has a fascinating life. Yeah, I don't know much of anything about her. Yeah. And the Distillers were a really great band. Yeah. Um, I love both of them so much. Yes. Mm-hmm. And actually, Spinneret, their album so was good. really good. Right? Really good. And I honestly forgot about them for a long time because I like lost all of my music on my old computer. And now I'm like, oh, fuck, they exist. I should really listen to that album again. It's really good. So, yeah. I love that album. This whole song was written after their divorce. And it's really... Josh Hami reminiscing about when they first met. Like the first lines are like she was just 17 or something like that. 17. Yeah. Man, men love 17 year olds. They sure do. <laughs> I they're mean, still young, but they're not old yet, right? They're like, what's your 18? It's like, eh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, so let's creepy. wait. So creepy. It's so creepy. Let's time, time out because we can't hear Shanti. Mike is funky again. I'm going to have sex bomb in my head now. (laughs) Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, I was fine. I was just once more singing. You're 16. You're beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I changed it to 17. You're 17 and you're beautiful. I mean, I just want to be like, well, she was just 17. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Also, don't you fucking do that. What? It's like I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> Wait, which song? <laughs> that John song where it's like you can't do that. And I just oh my god, it. the murder. No, the other one is the murder song. This one's the threat song. <laughs> this is the threat before the murder. The Beatles song. You don't do that. You, can't, you can't do that. Do that. And yeah. I always just call it. You don't fucking do that don't to me. That. <laughs> don't you fucking do that? Like God. Yes. There are plenty of songs about men yeah. just threatening young women for existing and as a woman. Come to find out, Norwegian Wood is about how he tried to hook up with somebody, and she was like, "No, I have to go to bed." And he's like, "All right, I'm gonna burn your house down." I fucking what? love that song. Yes. <laughs> I love that song I love though. That it's song. Really- oh, yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful. You're yes. like, this is such a pleasant. It's same with like Maggie May, where you're like, this is such a happy-go-lucky. So yeah, but then yeah. like at the end of Norwegian Wood, he's like, then. I started a f- or I lit a fire. Isn't it good? Norwegian, Norwegian one. Like, 
That's right. It set her house on fire. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Jesus, that got dark so quick. Even with this song, like, this song was like my fucking getting ready jam. I'm like, mm, I'm going to look good tonight. I'm going to go out. I'm going like, to look so Yeah, great. the way Remember? you used to do. Right? It's I- like, how about you be 17 like you used to do? <laughs> oh, no. Why? Why we got to be like that? Yeah. So mm. I, I'm sure that there are a lot of other Queens of the Stone Age songs that are inspired by Brody, but I feel like this one is tinged with anger maybe but even though it's such a jam it's such a jam this album in general is great like clockwork is like one of my favorite albums beginning to end Mm. period well now like they put you in a good mood they they make me want to dance and like rock Mm -hmm. at the same like yes they're like a build you up kind of you put it on like get ready to go out and like kick ass you know yes Yes. that's exactly how i feel when i listen to this album oh god from queens of stone age Oh, oh, wait. But what's happening here? I think it's time for the conclusion (laughs) of Steely Eagles. Steely Eagles. (laughs) Okay, so let's just go ahead, hop on back. We're going to go to 1978. Okay. Okay. This third song is actually a fictionalized version of how Steely Dan and the members of the Eagles came to record a song together called FM No Stack, No Static at All, for the theme of the 1978 film FN. Now, why bother bringing a fictionalized version of all of this? Where am I going with this? This is getting so meta. What I want to bring everyone's attention to is an online web series that began in 2005 called Yacht Rock. Okay. If you consider yourself a music historian, (laughs) regardless of what kind of music you like, and you haven't seen the 2005 web series Yacht Rock, which can now be found on YouTube. And look, you're going to go into YouTube. You're going to put it in episode one and you're going to go, oh, this quality is not great fucking deal with it it's not it's 2005 it was before yeah, youtube know. it was like it was hosted on a channel on the channel called channel 101 it was at the same time that andy samberg and yorma and akiva yeah. of the lonely island were getting their start by putting their oh, web series up yeah people in my college still had dial-up internet in mm-hmm. 2005 so mm-hmm. like come on <laughs> but this series has really stayed true and it's really like what's like the test of time Mm -hmm. you can watch it and go holy shit these are some comedic geniuses at work and what they did is they created an entire universe out of a universe that already existed with steely dan michael mcdonald toto i want to be i want to go to there Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hall and Oates, and then even Michael Jackson and Van Halen make their way in it because all of these bands between the years of 1974 and 1984 all did things on each other's albums. So mm-hmm. to honor music inspired by people what this fictionalized but also based on these true songs and stories of yacht rock did was reimagine how every single one of these songs could have come to be written so they get all of these like their friends basically playing michael mcdonald and kenny loggins and jimmy messina and the guys in hall and oats (laughs) 
And they create the story about how like Michael McDonald and to honor the memory of Coco want to keep smooth music alive forever. And if anybody kind of differs off the path of smooth music, like it's a real, like it's a big thing. And so they're five minute videos, honestly, like there's 12 episodes and they're five to six minutes each. It's so palatable, but what they do with each episode is so brilliant. So we need to do this straight away. Yeah. As soon as we're done with this, we're honestly make a whole Patreon out of it. Watch it together. Um, That's a good idea. Thank you for that money making um, (laughs) advice. Mm. So they even in episode two have a song battle between Hall and Oates and Michael McDonald. And um, and so so like, for example, Hall and Oates is like supposed to be the villain because they're not so yacht rocky. And if you hear the term yacht rock now, it's actually like J.D. Resner and those guys in 2005 that coined this term. But they're not Uh getting any money from it. Even though they coined this term, now there's a serious satellite radio They should have TM that shit like right off the bat. Yeah. So these guys in episode 10 of Yacht Rock reimagine the feud between Steely Dan and the Eagles and they make it into something much larger than what it actually was. So there's this like big music producer in Hollywood that goes up to Kenny Loggins and goes, hey, Loggins, like, I know you're Hollywood's it boy for theme music. I want you to do a hit song for this movie coming called FM. And Kenny Loggins is like, no, I'm not into that. Try the Eagles, though. So (laughs) the Eagles were supposed to get it, but it ended up going to Steely Dan. And now, so the episode is going through these guys feuding with each other. And that's where these two songs come into question. So in 2005, I was like, oh, do Steely Dan and the Eagles really have a feud? And upon further investigation, it's like, not really, but kind Mm -hmm. of. But these guys in their fictionalized universe made it so that they did, in fact, have this huge feud. Like, uh, you know, the Eagles calls Steely Dan... um, nerds all the time (laughs) and so you know uh anyways the 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 theme song ended up going to steely dan and then they end up getting into a physical fight in this episode and uh, the eagles say sorry we can't hear you through this dork static (laughs) which then is the song no static at all so they always do a little bit of a quip that like they'll say you know, I'm going to keep the fire burning of this smooth music and then keep uh-huh. the fire burning bright. <laughs> and then they show that song. So it's so brilliant. It's so perfect. They do Sarah's Smile. They do Rosanna. Oh, um, amazing. Listen to the music on the radio. And it's it's so perfect <laughs> with all of these different bands. So anyways, uh, there's a physical fight that happens between Steely Dan and the Eagles. And to kind of make peace, Steely Dan says, well, you can sing backing vocals on FM. <laughs> no static at all. And then it cues into the song, which you're going to cue into now. And then it's Steely Dan in the studio on their piano. And then once you get to the backup versions it's like don henley and glenn fry on the backup singing so they all come together in the end put their feud behind them singing fm no static at all you can go ahead and play that song right now that's wow
<laughs> that is the most wow. yacht rock song I have ever heard. <laughs> so they made this song for that. So it depends on what version you want to hear of the truth. If you want to, if you want to go into Yacht Rock's imagined universe, where to settle their feud between the Steely Knives and between Turn Up the Eagles, the, the Eagles. neighbors are listening. Then they all end up together on this 1978 track, <laughs> and it's the Eagle bands of the the sorry members of the Eagles that are just in that backing vocals that's yep. them but the beauty of this whole universe is that michael mcdonald and kenny loggins and toto and Seely dan were all singing on each other's records for like an entire mm -hmm. decade and there must have been a story behind every song and the way that they craft it is so believable and yes. so just it's comedic genius that i just really did i make this episode harder on myself than maybe it needed to be maybe but <laughs> worth it worth it worth do it. i want do i feel like you guys are would really appreciate this yes. and everybody else who has any kind of interest <laughs> in how a song is crafted how it could possibly be created mixed in with a bit of diy filmmaking absolutely yeah, this no, is the one i love this you. journey for us yeah. yes this was a good journey oh my god <laughs> oh but i also love just thinking about steely dan i'm just here for the beef feud. i'm here for the beef between steely dan and um the eagles yes mm -hmm. i'm just here for that i want to hear that mm -hmm. i want all the tea Mm -hmm. between these guys <laughs> i love that it's also called yacht rock like it's just so fitting the name fits so perfectly it you does. never think about it unless it was said to you and then you're like yeah, absolutely i can yeah. imagine all of these guys writing these songs on their yachts oh my yeah. god so this yeah, yeah this makes sense i'm yeah. here for it yeah yeah and like 50 something year old men on their yachts just jamming out yeah. thinking it's like, like getting yeah. sunburned and drinking <gasps> bugs. Yeah, well, it's funny because like the whole yacht rock series none of it actually takes place at all on a yacht like it mostly all. takes place in alleys where the guys just <laughs> yeah. like hang out have a little bit of a conversation have a bit of a fight and then they come back and like sing to each other and stuff i think the intent is that it's like it's it's springtime it's now summertime yeah. let's all get it's our nice margaritas rock let's it's yeah let's sail away on a voyage of smooth music yeah oh my gosh I but also i'm it. here for calling it alley rock oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. anyways guys please 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 it's worth your time it's worth oh, your yeah. energy gonna... it is such a work of art it's a work of genius i watch it once a year at least i always <laughs> try i try my best to spread the word to show it to show it off to people and uh, the guys from Yacht Rock have gone on to do things like rick and morty and oh, like shit. they've they've kind of like gone on they've made they've made them made, they made a name yeah. for themselves they Fuck made yeah. their mothers proud oh but i believe they that. still have like a podcast about it and they are like <laughs> they're still holding the yacht rock torch torch that Oh, that's amazing. I can't. Yeah, we're definitely checking it out. Thank you so much for <laughs> bringing us on that journey. That was amazing. Wonderful. Oh my God. Yeah, just you do really your, put your depth into this episode. Your <laughs> screen share, watch the whole episode together at the same time. Talk about oh. it. You're going to love it. That's so good. Care for it. Yes, for sure. <laughs> well, our last one is definitely the earworm to end all earworms. Oh my God, you're welcome. <laughs> this is going to be stuck in your head for the rest of the day. And I'm glad we're ending on it because all of you need to get this stuck in your heads forever. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm glad I picked the earworm. Oh my God, you did. 
All right. Lynx, All right. it's your turn. Last one. All right. So my last one is also not a male muse. It's a female or sorry, it's not a female muse. It's a male muse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there is a female in this story, though, that is completely awesome. I want to take a moment to shout out her, but we'll go from the beginning. So in February of 1994, Soundgarden released their first single, Spoon Man, off their fourth studio album, Super Unknown. Okay. I don't know about you guys, but I fucking loved this album growing up. It was a huge thing in my life. I think I, love I think Soundgarden, period, even if you weren't a Soundgarden fan, Soundgarden you is somehow part of your childhood if you are a 30-something yeah. at this point. It was Absolutely. big in my brother's repertoire, so I just knew it by yeah. proxy. Yeah, and they had great videos and everything. So yeah, yeah, they were definitely part of the culture, whether you were into them or not. Right. Super prolific. So Spoonman had actually been written three years earlier for the film Singles by Cameron Crowe, who did Almost Famous, of course. I feel like everybody was on the soundtrack to Singles or should, oh, yes. was supposed oh, yeah. to be on the soundtrack to Singles. Is Singles right. the one where the guy is so money he doesn't even know that he's money? <laughs> That's what? like all of dudes <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> Is that the one with I don't ben know. Stiller and Winona Ryder? That's Reality Bites. Oh. Singles is Singles the one that takes place in the Seattle grunge scene. Yes. And there's members of Soundgarden in it. Allison Chains, Pearl Jam, as was, well as people like Kira Sedgwick. Was um, Matt Dillon in it? Matt Dillon. You got okay, it. Okay. Yes. Fonda. Yeah. Yes. Figured it out. Nailed it. It's wow. so good. If you haven't seen it, oh. you must. Swingers. <laughs> oh that's it that's right that's right that's right sorry yeah, close, close so close though it's easy to mix them all up it is so as i said soundgarden pearl gem they were characters in this film mm -hmm. and jeff ament from pearl gem was tasked with creating a fake band name for the film and created this list of potential names I don't know if you guys remember the fake band in the movie and what their name God, was. I do not remember the movie like at all. <laughs> I'm so excited that I get to say it then because Matt Dillon's character is the lead singer in the band and he's with like Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. And the band name they chose was Citizen Dick. <laughs> That's right. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Stop. Citizen right. So, so fitting. So good. So there was a list of other potential names, and one of them was Spoonman. Oh. And Chris Cornell decided to use this list of potential band names to create some songs for the film. That's interesting. So, right? It's really cute, actually. The song doesn't feature in the film's soundtrack, but it is on the reissue that happened recently. But an early, rough, I think acoustic version can be heard during one of the scenes in the film. It was just like a rough sketch when the film was made. So obviously Chris and the rest of the band really liked the song and they decided to move forward with creating an electric version for their album. Okay. And Spoonman is a real life person. I don't think he had met him at the time that they were filming the movie, but he did after. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about the real Spoonman. Okay. So he was originally born Roger Leroy Wenzel, but he was professionally known as Artist the Spoonman. Wow. He was born in 1948 in Alaska, but he made a name for himself as an artist as a street performer in Seattle. He was active in the performance scene since 1972. Before that, he served in the Navy during the Vietnam War. 
Soundgarden wasn't the first band to become enamored with artists amazing spoon gifts <laughs> take a drink every time link says spoon spoon <laughs> or <right>. spoon man <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna try to put that in even more now. oh my god <laughs> so the spoon man's drink. first collaboration was with frank zappa actually in 1981 oh, yeah shit. Right. He asked him to appear on stage for a few shows and he had already toured all over the world before Soundgarden came into his life. Everywhere, Asia, Australia, Europe, all over. Damn. And he even appeared on David Letterman. So he was already famous. It's not like he got famous because of this song. Mm -hmm. Cool. So artists and Chris first crossed paths in 1992 when they asked the Spoonman to perform. <laughs> Between sets for Soundgarden and the Melvins. Okay. Oh my God, would I have loved to have been at that show? I was like, that's a fucking show. Yeah. Right. This is so grunge. I love right? it. <laughs> so the idea for the song had already been formed, and Soundgarden's manager, her name was Susan Silver. She's the woman that I want to mention here because she was also Chris's first wife. They oh, were married sure. from oh. yeah. They were married from 1990 to 2004. They had a daughter, and she also helped bands like uh, Alice in Chains. All of the grunge people really loved and respected mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. I really should do like a whole episode on her one day because she is badass and she really helped their career yeah she sounds like she had a hand in just about everybody in the grunge scene which <laughs> wouldn't you know it without a woman exactly the movement wouldn't have happened yeah and all the people that are still around in grunge uh mm -hmm. give her, like crazy respect like anytime you hear a quote about her they're all just praising her so she that's good i mean at least they are giving her her the accolades that she should have Absolutely. At least when she's mentioned, they're like, yes, this lady. Exactly. And so she went up to artists and said, hey, Soundgarden wrote this song about you. Would you like to participate in it? And of course, he was like, yeah, sure. So that would take about a year and a half before they actually laid it down and brought him in, though. Mm -hmm. And artist says that he got a flat fee of a thousand dollars for his part. He plays the spoons. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. spoon man! <laughs> I thought he played the drums. So this is like <laughs> completely different than when I thought. Didn't expect and, this right turn. Yeah, total ninety degrees here. Because it was a single, they also asked him to be in the music video. I do remember him in the music video. Yes, uh, he got paid seven thousand for that. He said so. I guess like oh. eight thousand. For the whole experience nice uh one thing i really liked about the song or the music video is that chris cornell repeats multiple times save me in yeah. the song mm -hmm. and he showed up artists showed up wearing a shirt that said save yourself and you can Aww. see uh -huh. yeah, that's good uh, let's play a little bit of it okay yeah, yeah. here you go
Yo, that's a sweet so fucking good. spoon solo, though. Can we talk about the spoon solo? He's really good at spoons. Yo, spoons are hard. Is that going to be the title of this episode? Spoons Can we talk hard. about the spoon? spoon Can we solo? talk about the Solo. <laughs> also, if you didn't take multiple sips, well, he said spoon all of them. Man. Every oh, single no. one. You lost the drinking game. <laughs> yes. Excuse me, which apparently people hate that we do, but you know what? Fucking doing it. Did you gotta. It's the last song of the night. Yeah. You gotta do it. Doing Come on, it. guys. Let, you don't know where the night's gonna go. You gotta get yourself a little bit ready, a little liquid ready for that. That's yeah. true. It's either the last song of the night or the first song of the night. Mm. I mean, you unless never know drinking, first drinking song of the night. Drinking's <laughs> not your thing. You do what you got to do to get yourself ready for the rest of the night. Exactly. Exactly. Everybody's got if something. it's jamming out to Spoon Man, we salute you. If it's playing the fucking spoons, good for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. If you become the Spoon Man by the end of the night, that's a good night. <laughs> I'd say you won. Yeah. <laughs> you won the night. So Chris has stated this song was, and I'm quoting here, about the paradox of who he is and what people perceive him as. He's a street musician, but when he's playing on the street, he is given a value and judged completely wrong by someone else. They think he's a street person or he's doing this because he can't hold down a regular job. They put him down a few pegs on the social ladder because of how they perceive someone who dresses differently, acts differently. Or he's just playing Eagles covers and he doesn't <laughs> give a shit. He just wants money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, Cornell said the lyrics expressed the sentiment that he much more easily identified with someone like artists than he would someone, I guess, watching type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in 2014, I thought this quote was really funny because this part's nice. He says that artist is an inspiration. But then he goes on to say, I've sold millions of records and toured the world, but I can't do what he can. I can't just walk into a room and pick up an instrument and perform and entertain everyone and their jaws drop. I'm like, uh, Chris, that's exactly what you do. You, uh, you can 100% do that all the time. Like, what? <laughs> I can't just open my mouth and sing like a fucking angel and everyone's just in awe. Yeah, not jaws. at all. Like, but uh, like, you can't just cover <laughs> Billie Jean and just like make it better than the but original. But that like just gives you so much insight into how Chris Cornell thought of himself. I know. Like, follow, like leading up Aww. to his suicide and that makes it so sad. It like the it is. syndrome is still real. Yeah, because it's because it's, it's like if he if you could just like shake him and be like, no, that's exactly what you do every time you get on stage. And maybe he could have been saved, but I mean, it's so much more complicated than that. It's so complicated. So, man, oh, that's like, yeah, it's a little little heartbreaking. Yeah. That's that's like, you you can do that, Chris Cornell, and you have. He's like amazing. And Artis is also amazing. He has shared the stage with many other musicians, including Pete Seeger, Aerosmith, uh, Katie Lang, Fish, Annie DeFranco. Yeah, he's been all over the place. Holy shit. That is a range. That is very range. Yeah. And for those who could be so prolific. For those who don't know, the song was was released. It reached number three on the Billboard Stream Rock and it actually won a Grammy for Best Metal Performance in 1995. Really? Yeah. This is what artists had to say. He said, there's nothing ever to regret about Spoonman. 
That is unusually incredible, remarkable. Elvis didn't have a Grammy award-winning song featuring him about him. Nobody did. <laughs> Nobody at all. There isn't anybody. So it's uh, a huge honor what's happened to me. That's very sweet. I that. Guys, yeah. I feel like this episode should win some kind of award. I agree. <laughs> I don't know if it's the three Advil or the two tall cans of the back. <laughs> oh, girl went to two tall boys. Girl's having a good time today. I hope you feel so good right now, Shanti. You have a night. I'm still in pain, but I, I hope that, uh, I, I only the, hope that this episode wins some kind of award. Yeah. This you know episode, what helps? You know what helps with pain though? Spilling the tea on Steely Dan and the Eagles. <laughs> and having heartwarming stories about Spoon about Man. Spoon. Getting, <laughs> getting, Spoon getting to hear like little details on a bunch of other stuff. Like, God. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is great, is, guys. This, this whole awesome. episode Thank is amuse. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait for the person to be like, oh, I wrote this wonderful Grammy award winning song after I heard this episode of a podcast <laughs> with these two these wonderful amazing, women run podcasters. These amazing non-screechy ladies that I love so much. <laughs> and the Grammy award for best musical podcast hosted by four <laughs> screechy ladies goes to us. Yay. Oh and my then God. Then I didn't just... even prepare a speech. Pick some... I'm actually amazed no one has ever written a review that just says they are amusing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now you have a free review. So whoever is oh. listening to this, please go post that. Oh my gosh. No, thank you ladies so much for being on our show. It's this was so much fun and such a long time coming. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why we haven't done it before. Yeah, mm -hmm. but also absolutely you know, have you guys on. Yeah, and honestly. What a perfect kind of episode to have you guys on for. Seriously, so. this was so much fun. Why don't you guys pimp out where your uh, stuff comes from? tell people where they can find you <laughs> i don't know you guys made me fucking drink like every time i heard spoon man what do you well, expect drink, from me drink drink all right spoon ladies you can find us at muses podcast on instagram we're on all of your preferred streaming platforms i think. including tiktok uh, <laughs> yeah, we're Lynx is definitely on TikTok. She is the Killing mastermind it. behind TikTok. We have a website, it's musespod.com. You can buy our merch there. You can listen to our episodes there. You can read some of our blog posts there. All that that's stuff. it. Yeah. No, but like, yeah, you guys have a lot of stuff. There's so much we got content. Patreon, over there. We got merch, we got Twitter, we got yeah. TikTok. And hopefully we will all be on Twitch soon. Because Shanti has masterminded that. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I am ready. All of us plebes, how to use yeah. it. I if mean, you we'll are interested someday. in hearing us get drunk together, well, <laughs> again, criticizing people <laughs> again, and really railing on Adam Duritz. Yeah, you know, stupid dreads, <laughs> fucking dreaded idiot. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, that's harsh, but. I don't think it's that harsh. It's not that harsh. It could it's be really way worse. worse. I mean, that's what he is. So he, yeah. it's truth. I'm sorry. It's just truth. Yep. I'm done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> okay. Thank you for having us. Goodbye. <laughs> well, and you can find our shit wherever you've already found our shit yeah, seems we're on all your platforms uh visit rockcandypodcast.com you can follow our social medias we got instagram facebook and twitter yep and also you could pay for our content yeah you, you can go to patreon and pay for our shit and get bonus stuff 
Oh, you have your pin, our oh. pin on your your board. It's a vision a board. board. You can you can call it what it is. It's a vision, it's a vision board. board. I love yes. it. Nice. Yeah. She's Beautiful. been envisioning this moment for quite yeah. some time. Oh, be like Shanti so and get some cute pins and stuff to on put on your vision store. board at our merch store, merch store on T Public, or you can become a patron on Patreon.com.com slash rock candy slash rock candy podcast. Give me a chance to say it. I'm okay. <laughs> Guys, it's been a long day. Uh, it's only two. <laughs> only two o'clock. That's well, three o'clock. No, it's three o'clock now. But anyway, yeah, you can be a patron on patreon.com slash rock candy podcast. You can give us some money every month and we will give you content and swag in return. Yes. Yes, we will. And anyway, thank you all so much for listening. We love you and appreciate you. And until next week, party on, everybody. Party, party on, on. And party on, you crazy kids out there. Spoon man. <laughs> Get stuff. Drink. 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 Spoon man. Guys, that was so Drink much again. fun. <laughs>